Hi, everybody, and welcome to Sean and Dave Make Music. This is our pilot episode. Uh, my name is Sean Arajo. And I'm David Trum. And we are uh, musicians, composers, performers, yeah. improvisers. The whole batch. Podcasters. <laughs> um, and so we're going to be basically bringing you fresh music at least once a month. And um, with, with the emphasis really being on our aim is to produce good music quickly. Yep. Sound right? <laughs> Tight timetables. Yeah, yeah. So rather than spending two years perfecting one piece of music or one composition or one recording, we're going to um, try to bring you as much good music, quote unquote, good music as we can. Obviously, that's subjective. And we're going to talk about, you know, what makes music good, what makes music music, uh, rather than noise or whatever. Um, and... Uh, so you want to talk a little bit about our backgrounds? Sure. Yeah. Um, so why don't you start off, Sean, and then I'll dive in. All right. Well, um, I started composing when I was in middle school, I guess, mm -hmm. um, before I knew anything about music. And, well, no, I knew how to play the flute. That, my main instrument is the flute. I should say that <laughs> first for those of you who don't know me, uh, although I expect many of you do. And uh, so I started composing, but I didn't really know what I was doing. I took music fundamentals in high school, and that was obviously good in a lot of ways, but it sort of hindered my composing in a lot of ways, too, because I was trying to fit in this Bach-style box that really didn't make sense for what I was composing. I was trying to write, like, a piece for two flutes and a tuba and make it silly, and I was like... <laughs> I'm confused. I, can I write parallel fifths or not? I don't know. But they sound so good. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I was trying to grapple with the music having rules and, you know, being free. So, you know, it took me a long time to get past that. Eventually, uh, I went to school for music. I was an education music education major for two and a half years. Decided I really didn't think that's what I wanted to do. So I switched to composition and um, liked it much more. Um, I, uh, so I, I like performing a lot as well. I've got um, my master's in flute performance and my bachelor's in composition, theory and composition. So I really like melding both of those, improvising and um, writing for flute, playing new flute compositions, making new weird flute sounds and things like that. Um, we met in college at Westchester, yep. where we were both composition majors. I've always been a fan of your compositions. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> in fact, in our... Our senior theory class, or analysis class, I did my final paper on one of your compositions. Oh, really? Yes. I don't know Perceptions if you ever showed of me that. Gaia. Yes, we did. I <laughs> presented did? on it. Oh, shit. Yes. Okay. Your, your piece this is, for it's coming back, the cobwebs. tenor saxophone and percussion ensemble, <laughs> Yeah, which was so awesome. That was such a great Thanks. piece. And um, I had fun analyzing it. And I remember looking at it, and like in that piece, I had heard it performed live and that's why i wanted to do it and I, I remember looking at the score and being like oh man this is like for a while there's only one note in here yeah <laughs> and like he did all this stuff with this saxophone on just f or whatever the one note is and i was like it i didn't notice that when i heard it it just sounded amazing and Thank so you. i was uh it, it was interesting to look more in depth at your music that way and so yeah thanks yeah that's a fun one i, I feel like that piece um has uh, one of the things that probably will pop up in this podcast is like you notice over time certain thumbprints to your composing. Oh, of course. Yeah. So for me, one of the things is uh, 
like a, a gesture, an idea that I come back to repeatedly is beginning a piece either on one drone or one uh, pitch or one rhythm, one solid stream of ideas that then spiral out into this craziness. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like just zooming in on something and then it zooms back out to the single thread again. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, oh, cool. But yeah, that's it's definitely I've, I've noticed it shows up in different places with that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely uh, an interesting, distinctive approach to composition that I think works. Yeah, yeah, it gives it, um, it works very well to an ABA form or something of that sort, just in the gesture of the texture, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, cool. Uh, so, um, I guess my background, I uh, started uh, composing around middle school as well. Um, I, I first started on guitar and then uh, when I was in about first grade and then picked up bass after a little bit and started percussion in the school systems. I mostly carried those You said three. guitar in first grade? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I started, um, I uh, saw Back to the Future when I was in kindergarten. Oh, nice. I pestered my parents for a year that I wanted a guitar and then they finally caved. Nice. Um, Do you remember what the first so, song you learned on guitar was? Um, I don't remember the very first, but my parents um, like to tease me quite a bit that uh, for the first two weeks of guitar, uh, just because I'd been watching the television when or when imitating playing mm -hmm. guitar for so long, I would hold the guitar backwards. Oh, I gotcha. Um, and so that was one thing that my parents liked to tease me about is that <laughs> they had to argue with me, even after the first lesson or two, like they'd bring me to my guitar teacher and be like, please tell him that he holds the guitar. Right <laughs> <laughs> you know, small Well, lesson. they were smart to steer you away from left-handed guitar yes. because you walk into oh, a guitar definitely. shop and there's... 40 million guitars on the wall and two left-handed guitars. Yes. And as a righty, it really would have been a foolish move to get. Yeah, that would have been a bad, bad idea. Uh, but, um, yeah, so I um, started up with those instruments. Eventually, I picked up piano in, in late high school, early college. Um, but uh, most of my composing was rock songs at the beginning mm -hmm. throughout middle school. And when school. did you start percussion? Was that in... Fourth grade. Fourth grade. In the okay. band. In like, school. In yeah. school, they've got the, the, yeah, the band. So. Bail kit and snare. Yeah, exactly. And, and there's always the interesting split in a percussion section where um, any percussion section in elementary and middle school bands and stuff, you have the kids that have um, just the strong impulse to just bang on things really <laughs> loud. And they usually gravitate towards snare drum, bass drum, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then there's the kids that already can read um, a treble clef, and then they end up on the glockenspiels usually yep. to start. So um, I was in that that corner with the kids who like started <laughs> the glockenspiel corner exactly when they started playing piano as kids, and then that yeah. led them to glock, which means we ultimately were marimba players mostly that sort of thing. Which um, I think makes you nice and well-rounded as a performer and a composer. Yeah, thank you. I think it's. Um, you know, it's the jack of all trades route. I'm I'm not really virtuosic on any one instrument, but I have a really good insight and perspective on a bunch, so it works out nice. I feel sort of the same way about myself. I mean, I've I've flute? focused a lot on flute, obviously, but but I've tried to you know, I I, I like playing everything. Yeah, that was one thing. Like when I I remember when I walked into my first uh, lesson with Robert Dick, mm -hmm. he was like, okay, so what do you want to focus on? What do you want to What do you want to do? Do you want to be an orchestra player? Do you like this? And like. No, I don't know. I kind of like everything. And like I think in in a lot of ways that's a bad thing. If I focused on one thing, maybe I would be at the top of my field, but it's just not I don't think I'd be doing it if I was just practicing 6 hours a day on orchestral excerpts. Right. I would have burned out long ago. Yeah. So, you know, I I started guitar in middle school as well and and you know, I love writing rock songs and punk songs and ska songs and folk songs and Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that lends kind of itself so much to composing, just like, 
because you know so much better um you, you like for me if i write for a trumpet for example that's an instrument where i have to sit down and really think okay what can the trumpet do what can it do you know like i have an approximate idea of the ranges and what i've yeah, heard yeah. and everything but i have to really like be careful uh, to make sure it's not something that's a pain in the ass to play. Because you don't play it. Exactly. Whereas uh, if I sit down and write anything involving piano, guitar, drums, um, bass, anything of that sort, that's just second nature to me. I can just go, you yeah, know. And by extension, sense. really, any of the string instruments, it's the same thing. You get used to the spacings and the layouts. Mm -hmm. and um, So that's a, a refreshing thing is that your your instincts will lead you already to what's idiomatic which is nice. Yeah, definitely. I think having experience on an instrument that you're writing for is just invaluable. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wish I would have taken cello class. I like writing for yeah. cello a lot. And when I was in college, when I was an education major, I could have either taken cello or bass. And I took bass because the teacher was really cool. And because... <laughs> is this undergrad you're saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Paul's, Paul's in. Yeah. He's fantastic. Yeah. So it's like, I want to be in his class and I already know how to play the bass. This is going to be easy. <laughs> so I took that, but I, I don't regret it, but I kind of regret it. Well, I mean, I wish I would be forced I, to take cello class. I'm too. more partial to the upright bass, but I do love the sound of the cello. You know, yeah, but. I think cello is so versatile. Like, yes, definitely, it's it's far more versatile than the double bass. Yeah, but like, I for me, it's just like I've got my double bass home in Jersey at my at my parents' place, and there's nothing better than just playing some jazz bass on it. It's, yeah, <laughs> you're getting excited. <laughs> I, I am. Can see. <laughs> I know. I miss it. <laughs> Yeah, get that thing up here. I well, I, yeah. Cur currently, <laughs> I live in a studio apartment. Throw that thing on it, top of your car. <laughs> that's the thing. If I could even get it to the city, then the next step would be like, would it make it up the stairwell to the third floor? And Do then, I have to rent a storage unit for it this? It really would. It would. Yeah. I mean, I could lay it sideways and it would take my whole kitchen up. Or <laughs> if I had an extra room, I would say you can store it here, but. I don't think that would fly with everybody who's living in the house right now. <laughs> I have enough instruments that are my own that I store here. Yep. Um, um, so, yeah. so anyway, you want to uh, uh, talk about and present some of the music that we've made? Sure. All right. Yeah, let's do it.
All right. So you've just listened to Composition One by yep. Dave Trum and Sean Rajo. Uh, so what what are your uh, thoughts on that? It, I was yep. trying to sort of listen objectively. It's hard, obviously, since we performed it and you wrote it and um, we know how the process worked, but sort of trying to listen to it with fresh ears that last time. And um, overall, I think it's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not to pat ourselves on the back. I, I think it's, yeah, it's a good catchy chart. Um, I mean, the basic thing when I set out to write this one was uh, just to stay with some really, just a good hook and a good groove. And um, a lot of my music tends to circle back to Latin grooves. Um, I never particularly studied Latin music, um, but uh, just they have their way of getting in there into the rhythms that I write. Yeah, I love that first uh, switch in the middle there where you go to that boom, 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 boom. That, uh, that yes. second feel yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, is such a, such a perfect time for that. Cool. Yeah, tradition. thank you. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, so I guess for those of you out there who um, don't analyze music as much, the basic form of this piece that we did was an ABA form. So we had an A section, which was fully notated. We were reading it off the chart. Uh, and then we got to a B section, uh, which really I fell into a pretty static groove and just kind of changed up the tom work uh, while Sean did an improvisation for the B section, kind of to give it another flavor. Uh, and then we wrapped it around by repeating the fully notated A section again at the end to kind of give it a nice bow. Um, in this case, what I really found refreshing about your improv was that uh, the A section is really very bouncy. It's very rhythmic. It's very syncopated. Um, whereas the B section, it was able to... Uh, you could have really taken it in any direction, but what I liked was that you took it in a longer tone. Um, so we had the more active syncopated, and then for the B section, it was much longer tones and phrases. Uh, really gave it a different character that, mm-hmm. that balanced nicely. Yeah, thanks. I mean, that's sort of one of the simplest ways to create that that contrast is long notes and fast notes yeah <laughs> um but but i was pretty happy with you know what i did there uh for the most part i wasn't thrilled with how i got back into that faster section i would have liked to if you know if i went back and played this again i would have liked to gotten a little more active in that b section before transitioning back to the a section but you know sure. i think it, it it mainly worked for the most part um another thing you know as far as trying to make those things match is when you're when you're reading off of the music it's for me at least it's easy to think about your tone and your sound and you're looking at the notes and you can see and i know exactly where to put my embouchure to make those notes sound good when you're improvising and i'm trying to think of these things all at once oh, totally. the, the tone half the time just completely goes out the window i felt like i stayed fairly on there and you know it matched for the most part, you know, the character of the other other part of the piece. Yeah, I agree. I think it, it all fit together nicely on that. Yeah. Cool. Um, and I think that's, that's a good one to start with uh, as an introduction to our music and our ensemble. Definitely. Uh, email us if you have any questions. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have an email address yet, do we? We'll, we'll figure one out. We'll yeah. make one and then we'll tell you what it is at the end of this episode. <laughs> yes. Wait for that. Yeah. I also like... Um, just looking forwards, I, I think as we get more listeners, I think uh, it would be fun to get the audience involved in some way, whether we, oh, for um, sure. whether they can put out challenges for different ways that we'll do an improvisation or that's a great um, idea. just get them involved in maybe a formal decision, things like that. We can just, yeah, throw even, it, out there. I, I, it would be even cool to take like guest submissions of compositions if there oh, are people out too. there, yeah. um, maybe there are some composition students listening to us who... Yeah. Want to send us an exercise and we'll read it through or something for you. That'd be fun. Definitely. All right. On to the next piece. Sure. 
So this next one is an improvisation that we did. Uh, so uh, change of pace. So our last track was all mostly pre-written, but in this case, this is free improv. Uh, we decided to uh, throw in a bit of chance into the mix. So we made a bunch of little charts uh, with four options of different parameters, and we rolled because some Because we couldn't dice. remember how to fold a fortune teller. Yes, yeah. <laughs> That's going to be our future device, is that we need to build a fortune teller that we can use for, yeah. I'm sure if we put our heads together, we can figure that out. Google. Google yeah, that gonna... <laughs> Yeah, so the... Um, or so... Summer. That's what we could ask Summer in here for. She could probably teach them. That's true, Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the, uh, for this one, we ended up, uh, with the terms soft and crackle. So soft for our dynamic level and crackle for the general sound and spirit of it. So I guess we can call this improv soft crackle. I'm fine with it. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, so very different vibe. <laughs> what do you think of that one? Yeah, so um, uh, with that one, I think uh, 
going through first off i, I think the, the nice thing about that it's definitely a I, or i feel it's definitely a feature um just for your tone on the flute in that case it, it just in that it really it's these beautiful long phrases and everything um yeah it's sort of classic sean free improvisation like Sweet. I'm warming up, and this is just what wants to flow out of me, essentially. It's nice, though. So, it's, yeah, yeah, it's got you. a nice mysterious quality to it. and um, I like being in that space. I feel like it's kind of meandering at times, but it's just... It's sort of like if if you have time to listen to it, it's going to be nice. It's not going to be what I'm going to throw on if I have like you know a car ride to listen to something. But well, yeah, it won't it won't slap you in the face and demand your attention. But Correct. if you listen and open your ears, it's really I just love the interplay. You you have a great way of just um, picking just the right tones that kind of push and pull against each other, and this kind of it, it's nice. It really leads the ear. Thanks. I think it, I I. Oftentimes in something like that, I don't think about, you know, a set of pitches or anything at all. I just sort of let it flow out of me. But yeah. but then listening back, I like when I, fa- you know, it, it still feels like it's the phrases have direction and are gravitating to different pitches. And Definitely. Yeah, I think um, from the perspective of the stuff I was playing, um, I, I really think uh, we did a good job in uh, communicating when we were falling into a meter and when we were slipping back out of it there were Mm -hmm. moments where some parts it was really more structured and some points it wasn't in terms of a feeling a steady pulse yeah um i think my one frustration with my own playing that came up was at the beginning i underestimated how difficult it was going to be to control the shaker uh when just tilting it so yeah uh so amongst that it's like when you're trying to get ice out of your cup exactly it's that same problem yeah (laughs) so it's uh yeah the the arsenal that i had of crackly sounds uh for most of it in one hand i had uh some small bubble wrap that i was kind of crinkling and then in the other hand i had a shaker for the first half of that track um and I really wanted just like a light cascade. Like a rain like, stick sh- more. Yeah, more a little more of a rain vibe, stick. Yeah. Uh, but when you're using just a traditional shaker, it can be really hard to control those beads. Um, so, yeah, that was the one thing I think I might re- if I was to do such a thing again, I might rethink how I achieved that same sound. I could get it through other means, possibly rain stick. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I really did enjoy that once uh, I put the rain or put the shaker down then i ended up picking up this uh foil stuff that you had mm-hmm. was that like for packing it's like, like an emergency or? heat blanket oh really okay yeah yeah i bought it when i had it in our old house my music room was up in the attic and i didn't have heat so i had like <laughs> heat blankets like on the walls to try to and then an electric heater up there to try to like keep the heat and it didn't work very well but you <laughs> well, have some of the material it worked perfect as a percussion instrument so. and now what we yeah. use those heat blankets for is when the dog we put it right by the door so that when the dog needs to go out in the middle of the night we hear him like an alarm so that we there can take go. him out and he doesn't pee in the house awesome yeah see it, it, i got it, my money's right it worked great in that uh in that situation i feel like the um what was nice was having two crackly sounds in each hand. The bubble wrap was a little more dense. It got mm-hmm. a little of a bassier sound. And yeah. I could get a little more high crackly out of that, um, whatever we'd call it, emergency yeah. blanket. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so it was great. I uh, It was nice to kind of fall into these feels of, it was rhythms that normally I would be doing on like a snare drum, you mm-hmm. know, traditional drum. Yeah, I really liked the control you were able to get of the smaller sounds and then the the accented sound. Yeah. Worked really well. Thank you. Yeah, 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 definitely. It it felt a lot like I was playing more of um, snare, uh, martial snare drumming type stuff, but just doing it with my hands. Um, We were also, yeah, we were going to talk about this connection that uh, the crackling with 
the stuff in my hands is very much for me a harkening back to just watching ASMR videos on YouTube. Right. Which um, is something I had never heard of yes. <laughs> <laughs> until we did this piece and you were like, this sounds like ASMR. Yeah. So it's totally this niche corner of, of YouTube. It's slowly getting more and more attention. I've um, heard other people talk about but, it, so yeah. it must be. Yeah, <laughs> totally. It's, um, yeah, it's just this great little world where people will, uh, sometimes they're doing a role play, like they're pretending t- that you're in a doctor's office visit, or other times they will just open up a box of stuff. Uh, but the idea is uh, using a very high quality microphone and talking very close to it in a whisper. Uh, so somebody will like have a box, they just slowly peel it open and move things to the side and all those crackling noises uh, for some people, uh, makes uh, gives you kind of like a head tingle effect. Mm-hmm. Um, there doesn't seem to be any conclusive reasoning and science of why right now, but um, I've had it definitely. So I've watched the videos, cool. uh, and it, it's fun. But yeah, uh, that definitely was an influence on that. Just the up close crinkly sounds. Yeah, I think it works works really well. Um, that sort of brings us to another topic about like recording and doing this as a podcast rather than you know something else doing it planning it as a live show which we may do at some point too and i would like to but um you know i think that close miking thing opens up a lot of possibilities you don't have to worry about whether your crinkling is going to be overpowered (laughs) by my flute which in a live setting we you know would yeah i'm I'm sure well even with a mic in a live setting that would be a lovely just invitation for feedback (laughs) yeah and a nightmare for whoever is mixing that live show Like, yeah, I got the bass drum and the snare drum mix, but this crackly thing is a nightmare. Uh, (laughs) He he brought a heat blanket. I'm just going to go all out out on the drum set. And then immediately, I want you to just just keep an ear out, because then I'm just going to be using some dental floss. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's going to go really well with the flute whisper tones. (laughs) So watch out for those. Um, Yeah, cool. All right. Ready to play another one? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. Okay, so the next thing you're going to hear is um, just an excerpt from uh, an improvisation that we did a few weeks back, and um, it's sort of one of the drawbacks, I think, of improvisation (laughs) is that sometimes you find these really cool spaces and don't really figure out where they go. (laughs) Um, so, So this is, I guess, maybe sort of indulgent of us to put up half of a clip, but maybe not. Um, I think it's, it's still a cool example, and... Maybe we'll do some. Maybe we'll develop it at some other point. That's another good thing about improvisation is that you know you can always take an idea and run. Yeah, reinvest in it. Develop things later. In general, like how often does improvisation come into your compositional like uh, process? Yeah, pretty often. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, a lot of times, um, especially when I'm generating the initial material, uh, most of my pieces come out of just me messing around on an instrument one or another so usually on the piano mostly these days but also sometimes on guitar or bass mm-hmm. um, where i'll just be fiddling around and then a little hook starts to develop and then i see where that leads and it's just a lot of trial and error and sometimes you just uh i'll get a gesture that i really like so i'll write down just that motive or that idea and then i will just turn on the voice memo on my phone and hit record and i just vamp or not vamp, but I'll just improv. Gotcha. And I'll go for, um, you know, five, ten minutes just playing out on ideas. And then I can listen back over to the spots where I really felt I hit something. And then I mine that for the good material. And then I can use that to then reinforce another improv. And so a lot of times improvisation really is uh, the founding elements. One, once I yeah. get enough of a structure in place, uh, like a one theme or a larger section, then it starts to go more into uh, writing, uh, at, usually in finale is my, my main notation software. 
Me um, too. Team yeah. finale. <laughs> We're dying breed, but that's not... Are we? I, I, I haven't really talked to that many like composers in the past couple of years. Like, I feel like well, Sibelius, Sibelius is more of Sibelius a... has been on the ropes mm. because of its whole... Um, their staff was all cut a few years back. Oh, and they okay. had a, Yeah. So I don't know if they've had any new developments, mm-hmm. really. But okay. Dorico looks really appealing. There's this new one out there now um, that I've, I've been looking at their website, drooling over mm. some of the options. So Interesting. Yeah. I, I may not always be a finale user. I might make the jump over to this new one. So. Gotcha. Interesting. Um, okay. So this one you're going to hear is uh, flute and bamboo things. Yeah. So these are um, just uh, – any of you guys that have ever taught elementary music, you've probably seen boomwhackers. Or if those of you that went through elementary music, uh, boomwhackers, these giant kind of hollow plastic tubes that you can whack together. Um so uh, this is similar, but with bamboo. Um, so my mom actually had been at a garage sale and found that somebody was selling a whole slew of them, just bags full of these bamboo pieces. Uh, so yeah, you left two at my house, and I was like, oh, you yeah. left these here. And you're like, I have a car yeah. trunk full my, of My them. trunk is full <laughs> of them right now. Yeah, exactly. That's, uh, yeah, I teach uh, music classes with young kids, so they're useful tools that the kids can just kind of bang around with them. Uh, so, yeah, in this case, I decided to use... Uh, uh, these were, I think, plastic xylophone mallets. Um, plastic or really hard rubber. Mm-hmm. And uh, playing them on the bamboo and just kind of getting some different sounds out of three or four pieces. Cool. All right. So then from there, I went into like some long tone stuff and it didn't sound very good. <laughs> I wish I would have stayed longer in that. We could have explored that that space for much longer now that I listened back to it. Sure. Yeah. I think um, that, uh, that that clip, it's uh, it's nice and short, but I just uh, I think it gets a good um, just there's a good energy to it. Um, yeah, I agree. I think I, I wish I would have had a more um, recognizable motive in there. It was just basically free atonal. Sure. Yeah, jumping. But. Yeah, actually, it it felt kind of like Prokofiev to me in a way, which which he didn't really write atonally, but um, it had that feeling of like something out of Lieutenant Kijay or hmm. his Fifth Symphony. Um, I, that kind of potential there for my ear makes me think like uh, we could have taken that, spiraled it out, and maybe if I had brought in some drums as a place for it to go, um, just it could have uh, gone from that energy frenzy into um, uh, even more of a bombastic mm. kind of... Yeah, um, that's true. That would have big, would have worked. Yeah. Um, I really like the tone of those. It's sort of yeah. like you've got a, a, a pretty wide dynamic range, but it's also kind of limited. Like you can whack one of those as hard as you can, yeah, and it's, it's still not going to be like super loud, which is probably why they're good for kids. But like, but I don't know. I just I really like the the timbre of those and the definitely the, the tones sound really cool. Um, so yeah, I think part of part of the reason I didn't feel comfortable enough to stay in that place long enough was that I didn't have that that recognizable hook. 
Sure. And, and if I would have, I probably would have felt maybe more comfortable in that space to, to stay there. So that's something that as we've played together more, um, I, I feel like I've been getting better at trying to keep it a little more simple at times. And playing these compositions of yours, I think, has helped me um, help inform my improvisation a little bit. Sweet. And, you know, we're figuring out where each other's tastes lie and things like that. So Definitely. It's been, it's been a fun journey so, so far. Finding the hook. Yeah. Finding the groove. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the name of our podcast? No, it's still Dave and Sean make music. <laughs> Sean and Dave make music. We'll change it every week. Okay, it'll be great. Every month. <laughs> All right. So we've got uh, two more for you. The next one we've got up is a, uh, a longer improvisation. This is one that we really didn't set any parameters for. Um, we just said we're going to sit down and play for about five minutes and see where we take it.
Okay. So okay. that was uh, a very different one again. Um, lots of lots more variety in that one than than in the other ones because we didn't set ourselves any sort of parameters Definitely. other than let's do this for about five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to just talk about a couple of the like different flute sounds in there a little bit. That's sure. something we haven't really gotten much into. Um, that one I think I had more variety and there were a lot of those residual tones, the the air kind of sounds, which is one of my favorite sounds because um, it has a huge dynamic range. You can play super soft uh, with those and then really get a nice... Well, it might like be nice. Fast crescendo. Do you want to just do a straight demonstration yeah. of some of your favorite sounds from that? Sure. Um, so that, that residual so- sound, which is rather than regular flute tone, is... You can uh, articulate with it. You can double tongue, which is a lot of what I was doing in there. Was yeah. just double tonguing with um, the residual tone. And you can get a really nice crescendo that way. Um, and then I was doing uh, some like uh, alternate fingering, microtonal sort of. That kind of thing in there, which which is is re- a really nice way to have a combination between like a long note that you're holding out and still have it have depth and sort of be active. Um, I don't remember what else I used. I mean, the big thing for me that stuck out with your playing was um, the double tonguing with the Mainly kind of that. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. whispered sound. Um, yeah, I feel like the the dialogue that we had was really solid in this one. Um, There's a lot of nice points of communication where we would play off of each other's gesture, um, and that one stuck out for me a lot because I was using those. Uh, I think they were plastic, the rods. Yeah, um, you and, got so many sounds out of those. Were you using yeah, those the same way the entire time, or did you switch to the back ends of them? I think I might have switched to the back ends for the louder moments. I'm yeah, trying like to remember back. This was, yeah, I think so. Um, for that one, yeah, because they had the the rubber handle on them so right. yeah. yeah so that's how i was getting the more full tom sounds um but yeah i mean especially just those uh, anytime they'd have like a then i'd just follow it up with some on some rims or on the roto tom and um I, I just really like there was a couple times we just really picked up off of each other's phrases and then it didn't die in that place either it just <laughs> right. then evolved we each took turns where one of us would just initiate like we've got this gesture we're playing it back and forth and now we're moving to this mm-hmm. and it really uh, yeah, yeah. There, there were some really cool um, uh, decided shifts in there. Yes, where exactly. We both moved at the same time, and, and it worked. Um, there was there was one motive in there, like just before two minutes. I'll insert it right here. Okay. Um, that I really wish I would have grabbed onto. I had this nice, uh, like contrasting flute gesture, and I was and listening back. I wish I would have played that a couple more times and developed that a little bit more, but. At, I didn't. So, but yeah. but I'm still happy with where we the went with this one. Yeah, um, yeah. Being being our pilot episode, and uh, I feel like we we've done pretty well. This is our jumping off point, and, and we're just gonna get better playing with each other. One thing I would really like to, I think, challenge myself with is is thinking about pitch material more. That's sure. just what I don't think about enough. I think about <laughs> you know the direction of the line and texture and keeping it interesting, and I just don't think about pitch material enough. I think. So I don't know if that's a bad thing, but that's, I get like to challenge myself. Sometimes. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, for me, I mean, in, in this situation, all the tracks we've done so far have been with me doing percussion. So right. pitch hasn't really had to be <laughs> yeah. a concern for me. Um, but I, I actually find that very similarly in a lot of my writing, which really? I, I don't know if that comes, I don't think it comes across in the end product as much, but um, like 
uh, a lot of times, like uh, even the ones that we've heard, the one we heard earlier mm-hmm. in this track, um, it's got a defined melody. It's a good hook that gets in the ear. Yes. Um, but for me, when I'm writing it, the specific pitches come secondary. Are less important. Yeah. The than first the thing is the yeah the rhythm of where it falls. Yeah. Um, Definitely, it's just like the ba ba da da ba da ba da ba da da ba do. And pretty much any piece that I write, the melody could usually be adapted to like a solo snare drum piece, and it would still be of interest. <laughs> that's true. Because yeah. rhythm is really such a focal point in what drives it. There's a lot. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that, <laughs> but you're right. Yeah, I always. I mean, we we both teach a lot of students. I always impress upon my students that rhythm and keeping the tempo steady is the most important thing. The notes are not. If you miss one note, you miss one note. If you miss one rhythm and you're off with everybody, all the notes are going to be wrong. You're going to just look like a fool. So <laughs> that make sure you play your rhythms. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I've noticed that that comes across in my playing as well, where um, it, it doesn't matter if I'm a guitar or bass or piano, I still play like a percussionist. Gotta be interesting rhythmically. Yeah, exactly. That's like the first, yeah. Yeah. First well, I, and I think that's that's something that, is good about playing a bunch of different instruments. I, you know, totally. drums are one of the ones that I picked up more recently. I've only been playing drums for four or five years as opposed to 20. Um, but, but I think that's really, when I started learning drums, I grew as a musician so much. Oh, and totally. like when I start, like when I started learning drums, I started listening to drum, the drum parts of the songs that I've been <laughs> listening to my whole life. And I was like, Oh my God, like, the the difference between a band with a good drummer and a band with an okay drummer is insane. Oh yes, yeah. So yeah, but also how much uh, scrubbing they have to do in Pro Tools after, they, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> after the check is laid down. <laughs> yeah, I, I recorded um, an album on drums this past year, which has, isn't out yet. But I was listening to some of those tracks prepping for the show that we're playing in a couple weeks, and. I was glad that I, I kept most of those parts fairly simple. Like there were some yeah. things during the recording session where I wanted to do a little more complex and the recording engineers were like, do it. Yeah. <laughs> simpler. It's going to sound better. Yeah, totally. You were right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Flashy with a uh, flashy, but shaky is never absolutely. as good as just simple, but such a good pocket. That's absolutely. The, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we've got one more uh, for you to listen to today. This is another one that's um, composed by Dave. Yep. Uh, this one completely. There, there was no improvisation. Yeah, um, yeah this was just a note for one. note deal. And you had mentioned, um, I don't know if you want to mention this on the podcast, I guess probably, maybe, because I'm going to bring it up, sure. uh, that you may want to put these together as, as a set. Yeah, um, so uh, the two that you guys are hearing today, uh, plus there's a third one we've got lined up. Um, the those three i've just uh written them all in the span of a few months and they've uh yeah all got good sound to them so i uh i'm hoping and a to similar write... sort of vibe i mean flute yeah. and drum set together already creates a kind of you know specific sound but definitely but these all work well together i think yeah and... they all have a dancey vibe to them they're not all um they're there's not really like drastic changes in in the mood or the approach so they all are kind of in the same world um, what I'd like to do is write uh, potentially two, maybe three more. Um, we can keep them coming where every every now and then we toss another one on the podcast. Um, and then uh, once uh, they're all together, then it can be a finished set where it can really then I'll then I'll be forced to come up with a name for them. Uh, but it can three be three peas in a pod. Yeah, three peas. In a pod. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So the idea, uh, just I, I think it'd be really nice to have a rounded off, um, uh, you know, ten or twelve minute something or other like mm-hmm. a nice little nice little package yeah yeah i'm always a fan of sets of things I, I generally rather listen to or write 
three or four or five different pieces if I have 10 minutes of music to write. Then oh, definitely. Of yeah. No, I mean, like, I've, I've, I've written to. things with longer forms, and that is enjoyable when you have something to say that takes that long of a swath. Um, but I think coming up in, like, me growing up listening mostly to rock music, um, my brain is permanently fixed to a two-minute timetable that really, like, you know, m- most things that I want to have said, you know, uh, can fit in about a m- you know, minute and a half to three minutes, that, that amount of time where it's just this, you come in, you make the statement, you play around with it, you evolve it just enough, you dance around, and then you bring it back home one more time. Yeah, well, I think that's one of the things, uh, one of the reasons we get along and our styles mesh is because we both come from uh, a love of non-classical music and classical music, and yeah. I feel like we both... Song form is baked in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we both draw heavily from both of those worlds and and try to fit both of them and so i think that that can have um a wider appeal definitely if we understand the pop side of things too <laughs> than if we were just composers yes. composers okay uh so this next piece is uh yeah composed we already yeah. said that we'll call right. this uh, composition two composition two Cool. I think that's one of the more uh, straightforward ones. It just just kind of lays together nicely and works. Yep. Any any thoughts about the compositional side of things or anything? Sure. Um, so uh, yeah, this one um, I kept. It, it's not a direct uh, parallel, but it kept every time I hear this one, it reminds me a little bit of James Bond. Just the idea. I didn't hear that before, but now I will. Whenever <laughs> it's gonna, I yeah, to it. <laughs> it's it, it's a different rhythmic placement, but it's similar, similar gesture. Um, yeah, uh, with this piece, I was. Um, it, it, it started off with that drum gesture, the first four bars. That was actually the original idea. Was the drum part first, um, and then out of that, the the main melody was really kind of. Uh, I was looking to fill in the gaps of that. So, gotcha. um, you know, the dum 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 So you got dum dum ba da ba da So the idea was filling in all those gaps between the drum hits, uh, and just really making them dance well together. Um, uh, the one thing that really sticks out for me about this piece every time uh, was kind of the fun of the modulation in it. Actually, uh, so it's going to slightly theory for a moment, but. Um, <laughs> The, the piece is in G minor, um, so for those of you at home listening, this is a key with two flats in it. Um, and then for the B section, 
just by kind of following my ear and seeing where it went, I ended up going to D flat major, which um, is pretty far away from from G minor. It's key with five flats in it. Um, they just don't have that many avenues that you can jump from one to the other. Uh, but I flowed into it very effortlessly and found myself there and liked the material. So I was like, I'm not going to worry about this at all until later. So then when it got to the end of the tune, where I wanted to come back to the original head, then I was faced with the question of like, how do I get from this world of D flat major back to G minor? And so uh, that's where I ended up uh, really using those quarter note triplets. Really as a device to get from A to B. So I knew I had, I knew I wanted the feeling of quarter note triplets because it's this idea of... Um, was it uh I just knew that was the pacing I wanted. Mm-hmm. That was the the yeah, period to get that back it would take. There. Yeah. Uh, so that I just had this thing where it's uh just the way the musical line was headed, and I knew I kinda wanted that half step gesture again. That um so uh, I knew I was like, all right, I'm starting with an F to a G flat and I need to end with an F sharp to a G. <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's just this uh this bit so then it was just yeah uh screwing around with it and seeing how i could play around and really the second measure it is just beating you over the head with a five chord of the key we're going back to so uh, okay yeah yeah. the part of the challenge with with writing for um this kind of instrumentation um it's a joy in it's a joy and a challenge in that uh the nice thing is you're not bound to having to explain with harmony everything that you want the flute to do absolutely you can just go yeah um the downside is that when you want to bring the flute from one world to another in a concise way that you know the listener is following along, like the listener's with you on the journey so that when you get back to G minor, it feels like you've arrived somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so those are the moments where you have to explicitly really spell out the chords in the melody line right. just so that it's really like, did you guys catch on yet? Did you catch <laughs> on yet? Now we are there. Um, so that was definitely one of the... Yeah, and I think a lot of that besi- behind-the-scenes work that you do that, um, like, you that you really think out a lot to make it work yeah. makes it easy to listen to so that we the listener can just, if they want to, passively go along, along totally. with that journey and not have to do any of the work and but, think and about that, and that is <laughs> where the, this is going. That means it went well. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Right. You're doing <laughs> the, the work so you don't, don't have notice to. It. Yeah, <laughs> right. totally. Yeah, that... that that transition is is seamless and interesting and I, yeah and yeah. it just sweet you did the work it, so we don't have to the other thing i, I um there's just little bits that i enjoy in this piece is in the in the b section the um the rhythm that was one thing that took me a little while there's that gesture that you do on the flute where it's yeah and it's i love it you do it very crisp it's right on um the idea of so um those little looping bits when it becomes like a little cell of an idea so and then it just loops this little gesture that whole section uh is really notated I'm going to grab it to double check. <laughs> uh, I think I kept it all in four. Uh, I think you did too. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So it just stays in four the whole time, um, which is it's fun because that little repeating cell is actually made up of five eighth notes of time. So that's where it uh, stays fresh. So even though you're just playing the same, you play the same thing four times, but every time it's falling metrically in a different place, sometimes on a downbeat, sometimes on an upbeat, because um, of this cell of five is just going to. I love those little games where five. Yeah, that's and the kind of thing too that works really well with improvisation i think that makes it you know it's got 
got it. There's got to be repetition in there. That's something that I think I need to work on more is more repetition, but in an interesting way so that sure. people know what you're doing and don't, yeah. don't hate it. That, those well, are the two things you need to do. The you joy of be, able to grab, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be able to follow you and not hate you. Yeah. That's, those are the goals, right? <laughs> yeah, that totally. That's, uh, I feel like a lot of that stuff goes back. Um, when I used to play in jazz bands in, in high school, uh, there was this one drummer that I used to play with. Uh, that we would do these games. This was more often if we were playing in like a duo or a trio. We wouldn't, we wouldn't mess around with, with this the in, a, in a full band. Yeah. yeah, they would just piss people off. But we would play this follow the leader type of game where we'd be just laying laying down a groove, you know, just pacing along. I'm doing a walking bass line, and he would be on the drum set. And uh, eventually, I would start playing in a polyrhythm against his. Um, either I would do it where keeping the same steady pulse, but break a 4-4 four, four bar into patterns where the cycle of notes are 5 or mm-hmm. 7. Uh, or I would just do 3 against 4, like a direct conflict. Yeah. Um, but we'd just play off of each other, and then it was follow the leader, where if I was the one straying, we'd let it dance in that awkward l- realm, and then he'd jump into my world, and we'd set a new one. And then he'd go somewhere, and I'd follow him, and it was just follow the leader That's and jumping cool. between yeah. different worlds. Um, it's just tons of fun. I love doing that just... Yeah, never quite sitting just in one world, but having a couple layers. Yeah, for sure. Um, and speaking of sitting in one world, I'm excited for our future episodes. This has been really fun, um, and I'm excited to see you know where we go with this. It's going to be different every every month with a different guest, and that's yep. really going to make us, I think, keep us on our toes for oh, sure. It'll open up the timbres. We can really go a hundred yeah, different the places. The possibilities with the you know, the combinations of instruments that you and I both play. Yep. The combination of instruments that are in this room right now. Um I, I'm excited for the, the palette of sounds that we're gonna have to work with and the the talent that we're gonna yep. work with because we know a lot of really, a lot of awesome really yeah. talented people. <laughs> so hopefully uh they will all be on board to come make some cool stuff with us. Yeah. All right, well, that about wraps it up for our pilot episode of Sean and Dave Make Music. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you in about a month. If you have any suggestions, um, comments, questions, you love it, you hate it, you want us to do this, whatever, uh, email us at seanandavemakemusic at gmail.com. No periods, no spaces, um, no ampersands, everything. I guess it doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So uh, we'll see you next month. Awesome. See you guys later. (laughs) 